0: Jen, we should have recorded when we were together. You know, I didn't bring a microphone. No, me neither. <laughs> it's not fit in my carry-on. But it's nice because I left you yesterday and now- Here we are again. We are back on our bullshit. <laughs> Doing the business. You know, it was really nice. I, I don't know if anyone has, if you've all had the chance to just like go somewhere with your friend for a couple of days, but- I just feel like I really needed to just talk about a bunch of different crazy stuff for three days straight, and that's what we did. It was really nice. It was the first time I think I've been able to do that. Yeah. In fact, it is the first time I've done that. Yeah, it was delightful. Since, you know, the beginning of all of this, this is just general hellscaping. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of hell. Oh, oh, nice. Nice segue. Look at that. Well done. Well, why don't you explain this Instagram thing? Because everyone knows I don't understand Instagram, so Sarah's gonna have to explain how we how yeah, we got here. Jen is Instagram has Instagram bias. I think Instagram's smarter than I am. I, I don't understand it. Instagram has Jen advice. bias. <laughs> there, there you go, <laughs> bam. Um, wait, but first of all, welcome everyone to Fated Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Procup, a romance reader and editor and uh this week on faded mates we are we have turned to instagram <laughs> which it wasn't intentional but we did th- we did it uh for some reason no not for some reason so as you all know for the last couple of interstitial episodes we've really been digging deep and like finding all of the buttons oh, yeah. that we could we could find um and and we i think we've done a good job i think we've turned out some really fun interstitials and you all on Instagram seem to feel the same way because you started just like throwing <laughs> Instagram, throwing interstitial ideas at us yes. on Instagram, which was pretty great. Um, and so anytime any of you have thrown an interstitial idea at me on Instagram, I have put the uh, request into stories along with an Instagram poll and <laughs> let the of mates... Let the people decide. Exactly. Uh, So you have had an opportunity to say yes or no to several uh, tropes. And I will tell you that it seems like you guys are just easy to please because (laughs) they've all been like resoundingly yes tropes. But the one that we're going to do today in true Faded Mates style, because it's been a long time, we're going to do vampires. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. (laughs) Uh, I'm, (laughs) I'm for it. Listen, we have never, we have, aside, I mean, we obviously, we did Cressley sure. for a long time. And then we did a deep dive for Dark Lover. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is a JR Ward, the first in the J.R. Ward Black Dagger Brotherhood series. We'll put links to all of this in show notes. But we really have not even scratched the surface, ironically. The paranormal on... surface is. I feel like we just. Overdosed on it in season one. Yeah, I think so. I also think I, I think about a lot about an interstitial we did at the beginning of the season with Jenny and Norton back about monsters, and about her sort of argument that like monster romance is essentially like what paranormal used to be. Right, because it's hard. I feel like paranormal—the kinds of paranormal that we saw rise up in a huge wave after 9/11 and after Twilight—and you know, those days are gone. And so, it's really interesting to sort of see how that subgenre has changed. Can I tell you a story, though? Yeah, for sure. So today. I, you all know that we moved. We've moved, uh, not just house, but we've also moved neighborhoods. And in New York City, that means like basically you live in like a new country across the country, right? Um, and so we've been taking walks on the weekends trying to just explore like what are the what's around. Yeah. And today we found the bookstore, yes, and it's called the Bookmark Shop S H O P P E. Love it. And it's a great little indie filled to the brim, like chalk block, like it's. Not big. It's a New York City storefront, and it's just, like, wall to wall, floor to ceiling, just books everywhere. And I went in, you know, nervous. Sure. I go, oh, it's not going to have a romance section. And it does have a romance Amazing. section. And it has a very fascinating romance section because it's definitely not what's new, and it's definitely not what's popular these days. It was... Every Bridgerton book. Yeah. And about 40 different paranormal authors. Interesting. None of – and one Harlequin. Like one con- category. And I was like – Is this, this new or used? It's, uh, yeah. And I was like, are these used? Like I, right. I had the same thought you did. No. All new. Fascinating. And I was like, there are – there is a – Somebody is a paranormal reader. <laughs> yes. In this, because- Otherwise it, it doesn't such, make sense, right. It was such a bizarre romance section for 2022. And of course I knew we were coming back. I was coming back to record this. And I, so I was looking at all the names like, oh my God, like like Larissa Ione is in here. Yes. When <laughs> was the last time you saw one of those on a shelf? Never, like, right. So it was um, really, really cool. Christine Fee and like people who, you know, but interestingly- no Cressley, mm. no J.R. Ward. Like, it was just – it was not obscure, but like – Yeah. Like a time capsule. Yeah. I said to Eric, I was like, it, it's not – it wasn't a it, – it, it was clearly curated. Right. This section. It was just curated by somebody who has a very specific taste. Yeah. That's and also knows Bridgerton is popular right now. Fair. So I'm going to go back in on a weekday and introduce myself to the owners of the bookmark shop – in Brooklyn, in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. and uh, But I was really, really fascinated because as much, here's what I believe about paranormal readers. I believe that they did not disappear. I believe that they continue to be voracious readers and they are finding their books in like really different locations because traditional romance publishers have forsaken them. Much like the Lord hath forsaken the vampire. (laughs) I mean, look, the Black Dagger Brotherhood just published its 20th book and has several spin off series. Mm -hmm. It is not the case that there are no vamp, like no vampire books out there, right? But it Mm -hmm. certainly is not like it was, you know, 15 years ago, I guess, where you couldn't. You know, bro a stone. Without hitting, you know, Lothair or whatever. So, I mean, I think it's interesting to think about because I think you're right. I think if you love those books and that – and and I was thinking a lot about, like, vampires in particular. And, you know, we talked about this with season one. But, like, how is a vampire – what's the appeal of a vampire? Um, and how is it different than the appeal of, say, a werewolf or some other kind of paranormal creature, Right. And I think the thing to me about vampires that's always been really appealing Mm -hmm. is the like ennui. Yes. Right? Yeah. I well, that's what's sexy about it. The the itch that has to be scratched is. I'm I'm so so tired of my immortal life. I haven't seen anything new or different or interesting in a thousand years. Until literally. Until you. Until you. And that is fucking hot. <laughs> it really, really is. Right? And I think that and, – and, you know, it's funny because it's the ultimate bad boy, right? Yeah. Like the, the bad boy who smoked cigarettes behind your yes. high school cafeteria. Yes, that's exactly. That's exactly what it is. Whereas I think werewolves sometimes are more like the jock, right? Like they're so physical and they're so – Yeah, yeah. Right? And so I was thinking about it in terms of like what – it is that you get when you're reading one of those books, and why they're so appealing. And then, you know, I also really, well, I'm going to tell you how I kind of tackled this task because I realized I was like, a lot of my favorite vampire books are books you every listener has already read, right? Because, mm-hmm. well, maybe not because we have new listeners, but like, right? So, I mean, it's worth us like sort of talking about yeah, some of those classic series. Because if you came to romance post-Gressley, yeah. right, like you came to romance in the last 15 years, you probably haven't spent a lot of time with paranormal or had access to it unless you live near me. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's the part that's sort of interesting is – You know, I I would say, though, so, like, let's put a huge, like, content warning on all future books that we're going to talk about because – We have to because I have not reread most of these and I'm sure we are – Right. So I'm sure yes. that there's especially dated language. We've talked a lot about how paranormal kind of traffics in some gendered ways, right, right? about kind of roles, you know. So Male, I mean, female. Right. All like, that stuff. These are very right. binary language yeah. in most of these books. And I also think that they are, you know, they deal with, you know, blood and violence and, and life and death in a way that – Most, you know, kind of contemporaries or whatever don't. So I think that there's also different levels of even just like that kind of stuff that people have to watch out for. So, you know, moving forward, anything we talk about, just please check wherever you check for content warnings because I haven't reread all of them either. And I think it's just worth us saying that. Um, I want to talk about this TikTok. Yes. I want to do so, that too before we start. So We have talked about – Jen and I have talked about on this podcast many, many times about like the movements of romance. Mm-hmm. Like what it – the rise of paranormal, the rise of the billionaire, the rise of Daddy. You know, whatever – Yeah. What daddy romance really is doing, like what it means in the world, why it exists. Um, And you all have heard us speak ad nauseum about how uh, we believe that paranormal romance was born after, you know, or had its heyday after Uh, 9-11 because it felt like you needed this kind of like giant paranormal figure this person who literally could save the was literally required to save the world and literally could not die while doing it kind of thing um it, it it and it reflected a lot of the way that, you know, a lot of cultural fear in the United States post 9-11. We talked about the billionaire being, you know, post right. the recession of 2008, this kind of rise of, you know, somebody in in the world coming to save you. Right, The first, interestingly, like the paranormal wave was coming to save you physically from harm. And the second, the wave was coming to save you from Essentially, poverty, right. right? Like coming to save you from, you know, the recession and what it was doing. And Jen and I have been talking a lot about like what does the pandemic do right. to books? What does it do to romance? And I'm—I don't think I'm putting words in your mouth when I say like we're not sure yet. Right? We have ideas. We're not sure yet. Right. Um. But there is a TikTok, and we will linked to her in show notes because she's amazing. Her name is her TikTok name is Virgo like Beyonce. <laughs> um, and her name is Megan. And a day ago, yesterday she posted about um she is she's a cultural uh, she's like a, like a, a cultural. cultural analyst. Right. And um she posted about the fact that um you know 9/11 gave Gave – the theory is that 9-11 gave the, the culture, like us as a society, superhero movies. Right. Which I hadn't really – I've never thought about it from a film perspective, but that makes sense, right? Like paranormal. Oh, this is very common. There's a, like many an article about the rise of the superhero movie after nine eleven Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the recession gave us zombies and what's next? And her, her point is that – when we talk about superheroes and when we talk about the rise of zombies post-recession, we're actually talking about like forgiving the worst of us. Yeah, it was fascinating. I'm going to let you talk more because I know that you have a theory and I, I'm i going to let you decide if you're going to tell everybody it. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, I think I more or less said it, so I feel comfortable saying that. But like I've been thinking a lot about, about dark romance and the appeal. And one of the things that I... Feel that we have talked about a lot on the, like, back-channeling is that these are stories where um, you can forgive a really terrible person. He's, you know, again, in a male-female setting, right? He's a murderer. He's a rapist. He's drug trafficking, whatever, because he's good to you, right? And it feels a whole lot like an entire society worth of um, readers, uh, uh, of women in particular, are looking – Largely white Light, women. White women. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. Are looking to essentially like forgive themselves for, you know, staying married to their Trumper husbands, I guess, or, you know, the people that are taking away, you know, yeah. b- banning books all over the country or right? Like how do you or women's rights, yeah, or, yeah right? Like, what I mm-hmm. you know, how do we as individuals try and like assuage our own feelings of like well, as long as he's good to me. Right. The complexity of. Right. I don't have to worry de- about. Well, they're, they're nice people, so. Right. Right. And this is, you know, look, these, this is painful. This is painful, I think, for many people. Um, and so it's kind of like working through at, like, a very meta level what's forgivable and what's not. hmm And so what this woman, Megan, is talking about it. She's sort of saying, okay, superheroes were on the rise after 9-11 because they gave us an – it wasn't a superhero, she's arguing. She's arguing it was an anti-hero, which fully tracks to paranormal, by the way. Absolutely. Because it was like this sort of sense of like what we could – what we had to reckon with of our own – like we were at war. We were at war with – except we weren't at – we were at war with this like a you know mysterious force, right? Like we were – we were doing as a country, and of course i'm this is a very american centric you know conversation, sure. but like America was doing terrible things to people who had no agency in what had happened to us right? right so there you know it wasn't quite the same as like for example, what's happening in Ukraine and you know Russia, where like you know there's a there's a an enemy that is a state right right in that case um. And then post-recession, zombies were about leaving people behind. Right. Right? Like you, you have you to- justify. Right. We had to reckon with leaving the weak behind. Yeah. And one of the things that she talks about, and I was so vindicated because <laughs> my theory about what pandemic romance is going to give us is that it's actually giving us more working class heroes and blue collar heroes, particularly. I mean, heroines too, but like- you know, I'm particularly interested in what the hero is. And right what, because in the way that I think about romance, um, often I think that like when romance does a social thing, it's often doing it about. using the hero. Yeah, like, I agree. As the as agree. the model. Yeah. Um the thing that is, patriarchy is grappling with, right? Like whatever right, that right. is. The rule, right, the, yeah, like hegemony. Right. right. <laughs> Fancy it's, it's, um so I think what's interesting here is that I have really thought that we're we're something about class is happening yeah. in romance right now. Like you're we're seeing billionaires less and less and you know other kinds of heroes who are still wealthy, let's be clear. Like there's Right. <laughs> you know it's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> like um but we are but like we're seeing less fewer and fewer billionaires and more and more um heroes who are just like decent people who are doing yeah. what one what what might call a normal job. Right? right. Right. Um, And what Megan says is that she believes that the thing that we are going to have to grapple with and like deal with in the wake of the pandemic is work. Yeah. And so what she's asking, like what will film look like, a television look like, you know, right. what is the theme that will make us turn, forgive ourselves for what work is, for capitalism. Yeah. Right. Essentially. And yeah. I think that that's, what we're possibly doing too. Yeah. So I think the cinnamon roll conversation is largely mm-hmm. similar in some ways, right? Like a regular person who works a regular job or works with the, the you know, the, the main characters work together in a like a regular way and not boss assistant, but like equals. And I mm-hmm. think, so, I mean, I think a lot of this is really rooted in, yeah, I mean, kind of like who are we right now, right? Yeah, like. Yeah. You know, you think about Tessa Bailey just yes. hit, you know. Number one. Number one on USA Today and uh and New York Times list with hook, line, and sinker. Yes. He's a fisherman. And she worked, I mean, she ha- she's the one who has money, of course, but she still has kind of a regular job on set. She doesn't want to, like, live off the money that she has from her family. So, yeah. I mean, and then everyone in that town is... You know, a regular person doing a regular right. job, doing regular work. And this is not to say I just want to be clear before you like, you know, tweet us. <laughs> we're not saying like, oh, small town romance didn't exist before. Of course it did. Sure. Like, but I think that what we're starting to see is like more and more of us, including me. Like, I look at my books, right? And yeah. and I think I'm just more interested these days in heroes who, you know, who don't – who are not billionaires. Well, it's it, it's always been hard to valorize billionaires, mm-hmm. but it, we – I did not have that problem for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say, like, it was easy to valorize comfort and the idea that you could, you know, have, have what you needed and not have to worry. That is just very deeply comforting. But, mm-hmm. like, billionaires as the – right? I mean, now we're seeing sort of a true, like – Like, love is the answer, right? Yeah. You don't need the creature comforts as long as you can, like, you know, be with each other. This episode of Fated of Mates is sponsored by Kelly Kane, author of An Acquired Taste. You love this, Sarah? I love it. I'm such trash for a chef book. I really am. And this one features not one, but two chefs. The heroine, Rowan, is this like thoughtful farm to table chef who is working in her mother's restaurant and just trying to like get attention for the food that she cares about. And the hero, Knox Everhart. Great romance name. He's like restaurant royalty and the two of them have hated each other since culinary school and they are of course thrust together <laughs> on a top chef style cooking show i love how hard this book leans into the chef stuff every single one of these chapters starts with a recipe and sometimes it's a real recipe but the one that opens the book is mm-hmm. a recipe for an ass hat boy <laughs> two cups arrogance one cup intensity a dash of petty. It's really great. So you can read An Acquired Taste in print and E and audio, and you can find more information about Kelly at Kelly Kane author.com That's K-E-L-L-Y-C-A-I-N author.com. Or as always, you can find information on the book, on Kelly and Links to all of her social media stuff in show notes. Thanks to Kelly Kane for sponsoring this week's episode of Faded Mates. But most vampires, interestingly, are not billionaires, despite having lived for a long, 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 long time. Most of them are just millionaires, just plain old millionaires. Well— just ordi- ordinary living. Yeah. Money means nothing to them, right? Like they're beyond the human concerns. those human concerns, those needs for. Well, they always have nice houses. They have though. nice houses and stuff. But, they- but the mortgage is paid. It's, I mean. <laughs> it's been paid It's been paid forever. <laughs> so, I mean, let's, so, how do, I mean, it's worth noting that like there are several big like series that if you really yeah. just want vampire series, right? I think we should start there. Like who are the. Who are – just name-checking some people because yeah. obviously in our world, there's Cressley. Sure. And there's J.R. Ward, both of whom we've done episodes on. Right. But I think um, – I really think that you can't talk about vampires in romance without talking about Christine Fian. Sure. And
1: Go for she it. she is
0: somebody who um, 1,000% I recommend making sure that you look at content warnings for. Yes. Um, because these books are, are a lot <laughs> even now. Um, no. Especially now, maybe. Um, and her, that book, that series begins, her sort of most famous, I think, vampire yeah. series um, is, begins with Dark Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, he is, here, the heroine, it's like half, it's, it was clearly born out of the rise of romantic suspense. The, the like huge popularity of romantic suspense in the 90s delivered us, Theon's kind of wild idea, which was, what if I wrote a heroine who is, like – she's, like, a a profiler, a professional profiler for, like, sociopaths and serial killers, and she has just finished this, like, truly traumatic case for herself – um, you know she's she's mm-hmm. helped find a serial a serial killer, and I think she's like a telepath or something. Like she's um, she has like, a, a lot of that wouldn't surprise me. And I feel like I've read this, but it's been a while since I have. But uh, many Christine mm-hmm. Fian books are interested yeah, in people she's a that psychic. have right like is, psychic she's a powers. Telethat. Yeah, so she's you know tracked down the serial killer. Lots and lots of people are fascinated by her now. She's like um. I don't know like a like a lady mentalist. <laughs> sure. And so um so she goes on vacation like home to the Carpathian Mountains. Yes. Where I mean and obviously you know what happens in the Carpathian Mountains. <laughs> Every there's just vampires fucking everywhere. Fucking everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome everybody. <laughs> So I'm gonna cut to the cover copy for this because it's just too good and I couldn't I couldn't do it justice. Um, so she meets Prince Mikhail Dubrinsky, who is the leader of the Carpathian race. Yes, that is currently growing closer and closer to extinction because, you know, obviously, and uh, he is close to giving in to the heavy weight of loneliness and despair. Oh yeah, poor guy. Right, but um, On we. I mean, there, there it is, Jen. I mean, and, and it is, he- it, talk about a heavyweight. Like, yes. it is, Fian, nobody does this like Christine Fian. Like, it is yes. dripping yes. with it on the page. Yes. Um, and then, but they are, she's, they're psychics together and they feel each other, Fated Mates style. So we go back to the Fated Mates concept, this kind of idea that even over thousands and thousands, millennia. Right? Yeah. You at some point will find the one. Right. Like this one true mate who is the one to rule them all. Right. Right. Um, and so heads up on this, apparently when I look this up today, there is an author's cut edition. Probably a thousand that pages has long. One hundred additional pages. I don't know that you need that. <laughs> nope, yeah, probably not. I mean, unless you're a fan, fan, sure. in which case, you, you, hella, congratulations! You just found 100 more pages of your favorite book. Yeah. Well, and that series, I believe, is also still ongoing, right? Yeah, I think it's still. Let yeah. Me look it up. I mean, but I I, think so. I feel like I looked at this, and there's you know 25 or 30 different books in this series. So, you know, these are like long-running series. There are 32 so far. Yeah. Yeah. And the last one was published last year. No, is coming. Is this coming. Year. Yeah, sure. Wow. So there you go. Right. So, some other like long running series, I don't really want to talk at length about them, but it's like kind of worth saying if you're like, yeah, I might want to dive into that because there is, I will say, also a certain comfort in, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to hit this series and keep going, right? The Black Dagger Brotherhood series by J.R. Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really, back in the day, really loved, there's a lot of contemporary kind of fantasy. We would, we would have called it urban fantasy, I guess, but like, the True Blood series by the Sookie Stackhouse books are great. Those are really fun. Now they're not they're really not romances. Super sexy. They're not super sexy, but they're really, really yeah. terrific. So fun. And I would say the Kate Daniels series by um, Alona Andrews. The they're two, the two like love interests are not vampires, but there's vampires in the world. Yeah, And that is also a great series. So and that one terminates at 10. That's a very doable ten. Um <laughs> right? But you said Larissa mm. Ione is at the Demonica series? Yep, I think that's the one. Yeah. Read a lot of sure, you do. of course you did. And then wait a second, cuz did you read Lara Adrian? No. Uh, Lara Adrian did a uh what's it called? Midnight Breed maybe is the name of it? Interesting. I'm looking I'm looking at it. I think uh yes. Yes. Vampires going rogue. <laughs> there you go. So, um, you know, and what was happening at the time that all these books were coming out, and I remember this really vividly, was it was all, like, vampire lore, mm-hmm. and what every single one of these people, uh, each of these writers was putting a really, like, f- different spin on it. Like, um, each va- – these vampires all – these lore – the lore all had different – Uh, rules which was really fascinating um you know like those true those suki stackhouse books Mm -hmm. like everyone knew vampires existed in those um you know and i think that there every one of these series felt like okay this is really really cool like yeah a different way of thinking about this like very old and very sort of dyed in the wool kind of concept like But gone were the days of Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, there's also, and again, like anybody who's been following romance news over the last decade knows that Sherilyn Kenyon has certainly had a lot of. Sure. You know, there's been a lot of like kerfuffle around her. But, um, you know, her series, what was was that called? The Dark Hunters? You know, kind of Mm -hmm. another one that was right around that same time and really game changing. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing that is, if, if you've been around for a minute with your Kindle, the other thing that is really wild to me is that indie published books sometimes are no longer available, right? The the author has removed them from Amazon. So there was like a series I really liked called, it was like the Faustian Brothers and it was, the author's name was Evie Byrne. And I was like, oh, God, I haven't read those since 2009. But I remember really liking that series. But, like, it's no longer available. It's just not – can't get it anymore. And I I really find myself thinking a lot about, like – I mean, I guess that's it. Like, book squad of print, even ebooks. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I want to recommend a book that is also, like, part of a long-running series that is also still going that I really like by Nalini Singh, and that is the Guild Hunter series. So in the first book in that series, which came out in 2009, um, which is called Angel's Blood – um, and I was really drawn today to try to like be like, okay, I want to talk about some books that had like maybe like a an interesting or different take on the vampire, like kind of that was like mm-hmm. my take. I was like, finding like sort of the traditional vampire would be pretty easy. In Angels Blood in this series, in the Guild Hunter series, um, the first three books are about Elena and Raphael, and she is a vampire hunter, and he is an archangel. And in this series, archangels essentially make vampires out of humans who want to, who essentially agree to serve the archangels in return for immortal life. And so in this series, um, you know, Elena does vampire hunting. She's something like a born vampire hunter. It's not something she like learned as a trade. She has like this innate ability to like just smell vampires. And if you knew that, you're like, right. And, um, It's a great – it's a really propulsive opening because she essentially comes off a job. She's caught this vampire who tried to run away from his – the angel who made him. And then she gets essentially told that she has another job by her guild and shows up the next morning. And it is with, like, the most terrifying archangel there is, Raphael. And he wants her – you know, it's like this really dramatic scene where they're having, like, lunch on the top of the building but like the building has no (laughs) guardrails right like it's all sexy danger the entire time and this and you know we've talked about Nalini Singh before like it would be a shame to not talk about a Nalini Singh series like she Mm -hmm. is another person who I think has really figured out a way to keep writing paranormal and stay really relevant so if you're interested um, the Guild Hunter series is great, and that first book, even though it's 2009, I think really holds up. Um, and this is a, a series that's also like really constantly evolving. I think book 12 or 15 or whatever came just came out. So I did want to like shout out one more of those kind of older series that have been around for a long time. Um, book number 15, Archangel's Resurrection, comes out. Later this year. So, still, still nice. So, there's time for you to catch up. Catch up. Yeah. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Catch up, everybody. Have we done like the appeal? I guess we've done the appeal, right? I think so. we? Plus, everybody's beautiful. You're young. They're young and beautiful. I love the, I love the, the like standing mythology that like it, you know, they either freeze when they're turned and they're never turned after they're beautiful. Oh, yeah. Of course. And, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Or like in many cases, you know, if you're a born vampire, you freeze like at your peak. Yes. That's such a romance thing. Oh like, yeah. Fine. I'm I'm not mad about it at all. <laughs> yeah, and I think they're I mean, look. This vampire is dead. hmm And love is gonna literally like make them alive again. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, look, I, I there's a lot of like different mythologies in these books right but for me like the crustly thing about these dummies getting blooded right where they're like all of a sudden their heart starts beating and they don't know what it is yeah put it in my fucking veins and it's the literal (laughs) the literal like embodiment of this right of this zero so i think that that's you know genie are you talking about genie frost yeah let's do that oh because that's another one so Janine Frost has the Night Huntress series, um, which is so this is where it sort of crosses. Vampire romance also has this um interesting piece. Again, like we talk about the circles, like how things yes. overlap. And um often uh vampire romance crosses into urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um and that is, I think, what is happening. That's what happens in Alona's books. And that's also what's going on here in Janine Frost's books, where the books are the series is just like a larger. It's a larger yes. series. It's mo- it's multiple books that follow similar characters or the same characters in many cases. So the Night Hunter series is known to Janine's friends as Cat and Bones. Um, Because those are the two characters. And um, essentially it begins with, this is one of those series that you got to start at the beginning to understand, to get the whole full effect. Um, Because obviously, just like many other urban fantasy series, like J.D. Robb, Nora Roberts. I still can't believe we had her on last (laughs) week. um, Or the other week. Humble brag. uh, (laughs) Me neither. Like J.D. Robb's um, in-death series. Like the same characters over and over again. So it's best to know them all. But... Kat is half half vampire, and she is looking, she is searching for her father, who basically destroyed her mother's life, um, in the first book. And she is captured by a vampire bounty hunter named Bones, and they um essentially like they they form an alliance to she basically exchanges like she's she needs help finding her father and he needs, you know, something that he needs and so they like team up and then they're teamed up for the whole series and it's just really fun, yeah. right? It it's the other piece of this is you know we've been talking about this what feels like is a a small but mighty group of romances that are becoming adventure romance. Yes. Yeah. In the wake of everything that's gone on? Yes. Because we're all I tired think, of sitting around in our house. I Yes. Right. But these books feel like adventure romance. Yeah. Like primordial adventure romance. Right. Okay. So one of the things I was a little worried about is, mm. you know, I feel like when we record these, I'm always like, it feels like there's a little pressure to like, you know, dig real far into the vault, right? Like, we want to mm-hmm. give people... Yeah, like, I read a bunch of, like... Yes. Yeah. Right? I, like, I want you to feel... Okay, Tried new things. Yeah, Try new voices. right? Try something new. And so one of the things I did is I was like, what is the what are the best-selling vampire romances right now? Right? So I went and looked, because there is, like, of course, a micro list on Amazon, right? Like, these are the vampire romances. And I ended up... Um, starting a book called – and I was like, okay, I'm just going to, like, kind of scroll until I find something that catches my eye in KU. And it was Lord of Population by Elizabeth Stevens. (laughs) And listen when I tell you, I fell right into this book. Now, again, please check content warnings on this book. It is super intense. But what happens is it starts off – it is essentially – like a post-apocalyptic story. 11 or 12 years ago, something has happened and uh, to the Earth. And that thing that has happened is essentially like kind of environmental decay, of course, but a series, and this reminded me of the superhero thing, a series of the others arrived. Like essentially they're aliens. They arrived like Superman in like individual little, you know, Shoots and they arrived on Earth and they have these crazy superpowers compared to Earthlings and have destroyed Earth society. And the book starts off with this woman, this kind of unnamed woman, and her best friend and this friend's daughter. And they are essentially what's called scavengers, right? Like, and they, the three of them, mostly stay to the woods. There's a whole list of rules that she has to keep herself safe, but her friend convinces her that they should go into, like, a smaller town. And they spend a night in this apartment, and then, like, the next morning they're kind of, like, going to run out of town because you just never know who might get you. And all of a sudden they, like, kind of duck into, like, an abandoned SUV that's open and a herd of other scavengers, like, run past them. And these three are like, oh, shit, if these – everyone else is running, something really terrible must be coming down the road. And it's essentially a bunch of others, which are like mm-hmm. the Avengers essentially, but like bad guys, land in the middle of town and just beat the shit out of each other and shoot each other and fight and all this stuff, right? And mm-hmm. um, she – are. The little girl gets taken, her best friend gets killed. This is all like literally in chapter one. And this woman saves the one other who has been attacked, attacked right? So there's like a loner and then the other group. And she saves him, but she steals his sword and his and this key that he has. And then she figures out that he's essentially like a vampire, right? Like it's not really like the vampire we think of, but she sees him and it's like really gross drinking a human. She describes it like a juice box, like just, and it is, but I will tell you what, I could not stop reading this book. And now it's also 580 pages, so I didn't get all the way through this book, but I was really like the, the sort of idea of like, you know... Despite the, you know, like it really hit the, I don't know, pandemic. Me was like, yeah, like what is it going to be like when the world ends? Oh, um. So anyway, she and so he tells her her name is Cain, and he asks for her name, and she has a rule: never tell it, you know, don't interact with strangers. So she tells him her name is Abel. So Cain and Abel essentially go out on a little bit of an adventure. They're going to try and save her friend's daughter. But, you know, it's, like, essentially ravaged North America. Um, Okay. So intense. So, like, he's super into her. He's got that, like, super possessive, like, you're, you know. But it's it's really, like, when we say propulsive. I That's what we mean. This is what we mean. Yeah. So. I like that. I like the different sort of setup. Yeah, right. And that's what I was kind of like – and here's the funny part. She's like, why do you call Earth Population? And he's like, when we first arrived here, there was like a sign in front of every town that said population and a number. And we thought that's what the name of Earth was. Ah! <laughs> and I immediately was like, I love shit like this. So I'm going to keep going. That's great. Right? That's so clever. It yeah. was so – and that's it. It's It really felt like a, a – and again, the violence mm-hmm. is super over the top. There's threats on page and memories of sexual violence, right? Like this is no joke. Right. But it is it's right. so raw and it's so um ultimately really like, yeah, she's a survivor and she's like, I'm I'm gonna go down fighting. And I yeah. love, I love that. Listen, I love that. I love the idea. Well, like I said, I think I think anytime you take something, like, so classic and so ubiquitous as vampires and you twist it around and make it – Make it interesting. Really different and fascinating. It's – it. Yeah. I want to read it. This week's episode of Fated Mates is sponsored by Alexandra Harvey. Author of How to Marry an Earl, the first book in her Cinderella Society series. This book, which is out tomorrow in ebook and print, features Persephone, who is a classic blue-stocking heroine with a penchant for mummification, <laughs> who is jumps at the chance to attend Festival of Antiquities to save her oldest friend, Henry, from being framed for treason. And while she's there she runs into an old friend but perhaps new foe Connell Hunter the Earl of Northwick. Listen, I love a hero who like went away shy and retiring and came back from whatever dark traumatic shit that happened to him. Absolute rake. Yeah, it's my favorite. Absolutely. So she's surprised at how irresistible she finds him. Rumor has it he's searching for a wife, but she's starting to suspect that he is really searching for someone who has committed treason. I love it. So this one is for anyone who loves a friends-to-lovers story, an enemies-to-lovers story, a friends-to-enemies-to-lovers story. Learn more about How to Marry an Earl at Alexandra's website, A-L-Y-X-A-N-D-R-A Harvey. Or, as always, check show notes for all the links you need to follow Alexandra and all of our other sponsors. Thanks to Alexandra for sponsoring this week's show. It makes me think, I think I've talked about this book at least a little bit before. I mean, it just told a different kind of story, especially because it's historical, right? And I feel like it's kind of a big dearth of historical vampires in Uh, romance. And that's surprising to me because vampires are historical, right? (laughs) By virtue of who they are and how long they've lived. So um, this book is called, I think I've talked about it a little bit before on the podcast, but it's called The Assassin and the Libertine. And it's by, uh, it's a debut author, Lily Riley. And the premise of it is uh, that vampirism is a disease, like is a virus. And, but it's not a, I'll kill you virus. It's just like some people get it. And then, and then, uh, once you are a vampire, I believe you can, now I'm sort of like the, the world building is slightly escaping me, but you might be able to have vampire children. Like once it's in you, then that's where you are. Anyway, um, it's set in the, against the court of King Louis, the sun King in France. And, um, The heroine is uh, like a duchess by day and a vampire assassin. She's joined this like community of vampire, this league of vampire assassins. And she is at court and there is um, a murder. Her best friend is murdered and there's like a big question as to who did it. And it's pretty clear or it seems pretty clear that a vampire has done it. And, um, but what's fascinating about this book is that there is a lot of, like, there's basically a class war brewing between the vampires who are all, of course, because of, because when the virus, it's a lot like plague, right? When the virus Mm. came, the rich escaped to the Mm. country and the, like, vampirism, like, ravaged the poor. And now there is, like, a vampire emissary, who Etienne, and he is like essentially the representative of the vampire, you know, leadership who hangs out at court. And he discovers pretty quickly that she is trying to assassinate. Like she is looking for this killer and then they have to sort of form an alliance again. And an unlikely alliance forms where they kind of agree that they're going to help each other because it would behoove both of them to find the proper killer, right obviously um and so it's like very the 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 entire the story is you know exactly it's it goes exactly the way you would think it's you know it's a really like good solid romance novel but on top of it it has this kind of underpinning of this like class conversation. Right. Which I think is fascinating. It's part of why I love True Blood because I felt like it really yes. just did the business on so many levels, this, like, um, this idea of there being just like culture clash everywhere. And in this case, against the French Revolution, this time period when the French Revolution is brewing too. And I really loved it. And uh, it's historical. So if you're looking for a historical vampire- Try the Assassin and the Libertine. Yeah, you know, the only other historical vampires I can think of is that Regency series by Brooklyn Anne, and one is called The Highwayman's Bite. Mm. Well, there it is. There it is. That's it a title is. that tells you everything you need to know if you're a Scott, it, a Scott lover. It sure is. Perfect. Right? Like what else do you need to know? I haven't, I, I think I read maybe that one and it was years ago, so I don't quite remember, but I do remember thinking at the time that same thing, like, why aren't there more of these? Like they were around. Yeah. Mashups tend to be really challenging, right? In romance, like yeah, romance readers, like the romance genre tends to like people to be right over the plate. Yes. Traditionally at least. Well, it's funny you say that, though, because I asked some friends for recommendations. So my friend Kate, not Kate Claiborne, is, um, used to have a whole blog about, like, sort of fantasy and Urban fantasy. And she, rec- and I was kind of like, what do you recommend? Is there anything I haven't read? And she recommended a series um, by Juliet Cross called the Vampire Blood series. And there's four books, and each one of them is a vampire book that is also a fairy tale retelling. Oh, fun. Right. Which is so smart. And so the first book, The Black Lily, is a Cinderella retelling. Um, and then it's, you know, there's like uh, The Red Lily, which is obviously the, uh, big uh, big Bad Wolf um, The White Lily I think is I'm not sure which which one that is probably Beauty and the Beast and then The Emerald Lily is a Sleeping Beauty retelling so that is super fun so if you're looking for something that another thing that might like bridge the gap and I think that is another way to keep these things like sort of interesting right so th- those might be something you'll check out too the Vampire Blood series by Juliet Cross I am excited about that. I feel like I read the first one of those and then I never got back to them just because- well, maybe you know, they didn't write you read the first one and exactly. then forget the rest of right them. When I it mean, comes these out. were again; these are twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, so not too long ago. Right. So while we're on like genre mashup, I feel like we have to talk about Carolyn Sparks. Yes, um, Carolyn Sparks wrote the Love at Stake series, which is sixteen books long. Um, the first is called How to Marry a Millionaire Vampire, and this setup is all you need to know about what the mashup is, because, yes, I feel like we've talked about this one, but keep going right i'm There's, gonna be, i'm yeah. gonna be fast Do it anyway, yeah. I, um, the setup is the heroine is a dentist, <laughs> yes. and the hero <laughs> <has> cre- <laughs> the hero is like a vampire king who is like created, has created this like synthetic. Is creating like a synthetic doll essentially? He he owns a company, Mm -hmm. and the company is creating these synthetic dolls, not for sex but for feeding. So like they figured out how to make synthetic blood, sure. But they want to give like vampires the the, like feeling feeling of the kill, which I think is hilarious. And so his name is Roman, and he they've brought his like scientists at the beginning at the very beginning of the book. His scientists bring him like what they think is like we we. We knocked it out of the park here. We cracked the code. We got a, like, we got a doll that you can really like sink your teeth into, so to speak. Yeah, and he does, and it rips one of his fangs out of his mouth. <laughs> and the lore, the like, <laughs> the world building of this particular series is that if a if a vampire goes a full night without one of his fangs, it's, it's gone, gone forever. So he has to find – it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, and he has to find a dentist that is open and can fix his fang. Sure. And so uh, it's New Orleans, thankfully, I think. And so he finds an all-night dentist, and that is our heroine. <laughs> and so, like, these books are hilariously funny. They are great rom-coms for those of yeah. you who really are looking for a, a romance that has a calm in it. Um, and also they have these, like, big – brawny vampires who um, you know, get what they deserve, I think. Obviously. Okay, let's um let me shout out to Molly Harper. And so, if you are specifically, so I, when I first started listening to audiobooks, I remember asking Kelly, like, what would you recommend? And she was like, okay, if you, you know, she knew I was like, she's like Molly Harper writes. I mean, they're like very romance light in in the sense. I think they're all like closed, closed door, maybe. I mean, it's the really leaning hard into the calm. But her, she has Molly Harper has a long time partnership with an audiobook narrator named Amanda Ranconi. And they are just devastatingly good together. Like, she just really is great. And so um, Kate, my friend, and, you know, between Kate and Kelly, recommend Driving Mr. Dead. And in this book... This book, so I really recommend it on audio. Although it's, you know, ten years old and pretty cheap on Kindle, a couple bucks. Um, Miranda Puckett is our heroine, and she essentially gets dumped by her like kind of perfect boyfriend, and so she decides to um, settle. She says settle down on a job that gets her out of gets her out of town, which is long distance vampire transportation. Because, of course, you know, they sure. can't be in the light or whatever. Perfect. And so her, her first assignment is to drive a vampire named Colin Sutherland from Washington to, like, a sleepy little town. And, you know, he is, it describes him as persnickety and stuffy and devastatingly handsome. Um, and, of course, you've got a road trip romance, so a million things can go wrong and, of course, do. Um, so if you've never read or, like, listened to a Molly Harper book with Amanda Ronconi as the uh, narrator, you are in for a real treat. They are a delight. And I think they are, like, it's the calm, the comedy part is terrific in her books. They're always really fun and really funny. Okay, I have one more tiny little funny one. It is not even a short story as much as it is it's I think it's actually called I can I didn't look. I mean, it's literally 15 pages. Um I really like Shira Glassman. She has written some of my favorites. Uh, There's one called Cinnamon Blade, which is a, a, um, oh my God, it's really delightful. She's a, it's a superhero who falls in love with the woman she keeps saving. So these two women fall in love with each other. It's great. But she also wrote this tiny little vampire story. It's maybe 15 pages long called A Man of Taste. And in this book, a woman named Nellie is a vampire, and she doesn't want to be a vampire. She's, like, just feels like she shouldn't be killing anybody, so she only essentially, like, feeds off people who have just died. Or she tries to kill people who are bad, right? Like she, so she kills like bad guys, but they taste terrible, right? Mm-hmm, if you're a killer, yeah. <laughs> like right, I love that. So she then sort of there's this moment where she like figures out like, okay, an innocent man is about to be killed and on, on the gallows or whatever, and so she's like, well, I'll just like you know feed off of him the second he dies, and he she. You know, he tastes delicious because he's a good person. So anyway, she has her eye (laughs) on this other (laughs) fellow named Jacob, and he is killed for, like, doing the right thing. And she's feeding off of him, but then he kind of wakes up and she realized that he's, like, a special kind of ghost, it sounds like, that maybe happens in Judaism. I'm not entirely sure of all the details. But so, like, this little vampire and ghost fall in love together and have hot sex while she's Aww. feeding off of him. It was great. And, like I said, very satisfying 15 pages. One – boom. I love it. But, again, I was really, like, this is, a, like, a cool, like, angle, right? Like, it just yeah. felt so different. And so – I liked it a lot. Listen, while we're talking about vampires and ghosts, it is always important for us to plug Conrad and Naomi. For those of you who did not read Immortals After Dark because you said to us and other people, it's too many books. I can't do 18 books. It's so much. Oh, my God. Please, please understand that you can just read Dark Desires. No. You can just read Dark Needs at Night's Edge starring Naomi the Ghost Mm. And Conrad the Vampire, my soft, sweet baby. <laughs> and it is
1: perfect. absolutely
0: perfect. Yeah. And you never have to read another Cressley book. You never just have to read that just, one. Just read that one perfect morsel of a vampire <laughs> ghost story and then come back to us and tell us we were right. I think that's why I was so won over by this, a man of taste. I I'm was gonna like, get oh. It's like Conrad and Naomi, and I was like, "And look, 15 pages. You can read it while you're waiting for the car to get washed, and get the whole story. Boom. Yes, perfect. Mm. It was God, cute. Imagine being able to tell a story in 15 pages. Listen, you're not going to spend that woman. You're not going to be able to spend a better 99 cents. It is no. so nice. It's perfect. I'm so impressed. There's even I'm so sex impressed. on page. It's like bam, everything you would want. It's so cute. I love it. Yeah, I think Shira Glassman is really a master of, like, the short-form romance, and I was like, wow, this is impressive. Well, Sarah, I don't know. Do you think we did the business? I think we did some of the business? business. I feel like some real deal vampire readers are probably going to be like, you guys are amateurs. You know what, though? I think that's fine, and I we, we would love Please to obviously hear. Yeah, we would love to hear what you're reading and what you love, but I think that, you know, it's... I feel like that's okay too, right? Like we're here. Listen, I like being an amateur. I like feeling like an amateur. I want want you to tell me what the tell us what the best vampire romances are. Lay them down in comments in on Twitter, on Instagram. Yeah. If there's an interstitial you want, hit me up on Instagram. I'm going to run a poll. Everyone's going to say they want it. It's there. You're just going to get it. (laughs) Sure. um, I love it. We love you guys. Um, I think a lot about how I wish that we spent more time with you in person. Someday. Someday. We're thinking about some cool I know. We have, a little, we have a couple things cooking. Um, so, you know, save, save your pennies for trips sometime soon. Yeah, um, it's going to be amazing. Other than that, please support our sponsors. You may have noticed that we are running ads now on Faded Mates, um, and you can help by supporting our sponsors if we talk about an item or a product or a book that sounds great. Yeah, it does. You can find information on all of our sponsors, as always, in show notes, and uh, that's that. Don't get Have, bitten by a vampire this week, or, or maybe, if or do. if you do, tell us all about it. I was like, or if you do, make sure that you know, love, lorn and weary with the world, and you're you're there to save them. Make sure they're <laughs> super hot. <laughs> they will no, be though. That's the rule. Maybe you're the hot one, everybody. Maybe listen. You're the hot you know, one. do you remember? You're not a TV watcher, but like, oh, a long time ago. I mean. It was a long F- time ago. 15 to 17 years ago, there was a TV show with that hot guy from Game of Thrones, um, and it was called New Amsterdam. Not this new one. This new New Amsterdam is about mm. a hospital. This was an old one, and it was about a guy <laughs> who – it was played by Nikolai who is, oh yeah That's was made famous by yeah. Game of Thrones. But he played a vampire detective <laughs> – i like just it was like a procedural. Like every week, it was like some the crime of the week, and he had lived for you know three hundred years or something in New York City, and what I was full of ennui. And there was one perfect season of that show and then it got canceled probably cuz it wasn't very good but let's be honest maybe because it was excellent. It's probably on Netflix. Yeah. And sure. if you can watch it, I highly recommend it but it ends in that same way that that lovely show pitch ends where you feel like oh these two are going to end up together and then like there's no payoff because they got canceled. Listen, this is why I don't watch TV, everybody. I know. I have a, it's it's the worst kind of cliffhanger. Yeah, that is, it's terrible. Well, oh, you, you know. know who else writes a great romance, vampire romance? Is Alexandra Ivy. Oh, yeah. If you read anything by her? She's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys, I can't remember which book I love the most of hers, but I will put it in show notes. You'll see it in the photo array. Yeah. You know, I think there's plenty there for you to read. And like I said, if you're looking to just see what's out there and what's new, just click on best vampire romance, like what's popular on Amazon right now. And I was like, oh wow, look at all these vampire romances. Yeah, what well, like? Heard of oh, because there's also and also from Friends of the Pod, there's a Tessa, recent Tessa Bailey series with vampires in it. That's right. That's right. I really liked the first one of that series a lot, actually. Uh, begins with an R. The Resurrection, reborn, the Reckoning, the Reborn, Born Yesterday, maybe Born Yesterday. Yes, and then uh, and then there's a Katie Roberts. Oh, yeah, you know, that's right. Multi, I mean, MMFFFMM. You I mean? I mean, lots of, lots of bits happening in there. Um, and that's called, the first one's, I think, called Sacrifice. Um, now I'm doing this off the top of my head without any research. I'm flying without a net. That's okay. That's how we are. We'll put all that in the photo array too. But uh, yeah. God, could you imagine if you're a vampire, like how many books you'd have in your brain? Oh my hundreds god. of years worth we of We need writing. to get a vampire on this ep- on this podcast to help us. <laughs> <laughs> if you're they'd a vampire, be like, be and like, you like I'm on the podcast. My TBR is so huge. I am still Wait, reading category remember? romances from 1983. Oh my god, Jen, do you remember when we were doing the first season of the podcast, we got that email from the guy who was a vampire? I don't want to talk about it. It was too much. Oh. <laughs> That's when I really knew we'd stumbled into something weird and big. I was like, "Oh. Okay yeah. then. Look, he was very friendly. He wanted us to call him. We didn't call him, you guys. We didn't. He's him. probably mad we ghosted him. Is it ghosting if you don't call them back? Call them at all. Anyway, well, sir, sorry. Unless you could talk about romance novels, we don't have, we don't have we don't space you. for you. <laughs> all right, everybody, have a good one. Bye.